us and we honor you, we glorify your holy name. Thank you for the grace of life. Thank you for the spirit of God. Thank you that you are hosting us here tonight in this three-day gathering where by your spirit you will teach us the secrets of life. We will open our understanding, oh God, to higher flows and higher dimensions of the life of God and for how to function in your kingdom effectively in this world that we may yield and produce eternal glory to the name of Jesus Christ. Holy Spirit, we ask that in this seminar, your presence, your glory, your anointing may aid us in transmitting this information to your people. And we ask that every fallow ground be broken, that there be no resistance to the word of God in the hearts of your people, that their hearts, their ears may not be able to withstand the force and power of your word. Let your word destroy strongholds. Let your word break everything that might hinder or cause, Father, a prohibition of hearing that which your spirit has to say to us. We yield our members to you. We yield our eyes. We yield our voice. We yield our minds. We yield our hearts to you, precious Holy Spirit. Anoint everybody here in this house and allow for your word to multiply itself within us. You said that as the rain cometh down on the earth and it waters the earth and it bringeth forth fruit, we ask that as your word is poured out by your spirit through the mouth of your servant, that there may be a blossoming of the reality of truth. We love you, Holy Spirit. We thank you dearly. In Jesus' mighty name, we pray. Amen. Hallelujah. Praise the Lord. You may be seated. Glory to God. Hallelujah. Yes, yes. Thank you very much. Hallelujah. Good evening. How are you? Turn to Deuteronomy chapter 30. Amen. Uh, we are commencing our first session of this seminar. And I would like just to help you understand why the Spirit of God asked us to have this seminar. God improves our lives through information. That is the first basis of improvement in our lives. So if God is going to improve your life, 
he has to begin talking to you. He has to begin giving you information that will help your life improve in the area that God desires. So this seminar is designed for improving your life and also aligning you with destiny. You know, too many of us live casual lives. We live life <coughs> disposing of the intent and the purpose to which God has designed us for. Every individual here on earth has a specific tailor-made plan by God for their lives. So, the Lord wants to use this three days to compact truth into your spirits, to open your hearts, to open your minds concerning His plan for you. So, you you will hear tonight unconventional wisdom. That means things that have always been there. But you find that due to our ignorance has limited us, has been the limiting factor to us walking the life that God wants us to live. So I'm going to ask you to get as much information as you can, right? Write down as much information as you can. Uh, record if you must. Because I believe that what is and what you're going to hear for these next three nights will drastically change your life. Hallelujah. Chapter 30, we there? Verse from verse number 11. We say we're starting at 6. Alright? It's a seminar, so we don't need to go through all the motions of church. So 6 we start. So those who are here are here. We start with them. Those who are not here by 6, we still start. They'll find us. Alright? So it says. Verse 11, for this commandment which I command you today, please uh, lift it up a bit. Because I can't hear it. Yes. For this commandment which I command you today is not too mysterious for you, nor is it far off. It is not in heaven that you should say, Who will ascend into heaven for us and bring it to us that we may hear it and do it? Nor is it beyond the sea that you should say, who will go over the sea for us and bring it to us that we may hear it and do it. He's talking about a specific commandment. He says, this specific commandment is not something beyond you. It's not something beyond your reach. It is a commandment that is inherent in every single human being. It is not in heaven. It is not in the sea. It is where you can find it. 
So he's telling them, see, but the word is very near you, in your mouth and in your faith, that you may do it. In your heart, that you may do it. See, I have said before you today, life and good, death and evil. Who's presenting these two things? Is it anything external from God? No. He says, I have said before you life and good. <coughs> Death and evil. It is God. Both life and good. Death and evil come from the hand of God. So, who decides which portion an individual in this world receives? Who decides the lot to which you partake of? Because he says, both death and life, good and evil, come from God. Death is not something that is to be found outside the hand of God. As is life. So he says, I have said before you, I, I have said before you, I, I have said before you, life and good, death and evil. In that I command you today to love the Lord your God, to walk in his ways, and to keep his commandments, his statutes, and his judgments, that you may live and multiply, that the Lord your God will bless you in the land which you go to possess. But if your heart turns away, so that you do not hear, and are drawn away, and worship other gods and serve you, I announce to you today that you shall surely perish. You shall not prolong your days in the land which you cross over the Jordan to go in and possess. Verse 19. I call heaven and earth as witness today against you that I have set before you life and death, blessing and cursing. Therefore, choose life that both you and your descendants All these cups come from the Lord. All these cups come from the Lord. Life is a function of spirit. That means the, the, the machinery that controls life, the processes that administers and facilitates what we know as life, is a function of spirit. So, in the in the uh, 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 in the in the factory of spirits, pro the produce is life. So, life is as a result of spirit, not mental or solical intelligence. Death is a working of spirit. 
So life comes with it, the forces, the spirits that facilitate and administer administers as is death death also comes with the spirits and forces that administer it so god brings to every man and sets on the table of life the choice between life and death blessing and cursing good and evil and then he says then he says you have the power to choose. So God gives man neither death nor life. Man chooses. Adam would choose his own death or perpetuality. The day you eat, you die. God never chose it for him. It was in his own will to choose whether to live or whether to die on the basis of what God presented to him. So if he fulfills the commandment, he continues to live. If he goes against it, he dies. And frankly, Many of us, our lives have allowed death to come in. Let me clear something, all right? Before we discuss what we're going to discuss. Jesus, Jesus Christ, is God's perfect sacrifice. <coughs> For humanity. Alright? When you accept Christ, you are automatically attributed his obedience. Agreed? So the obedience of Christ befalls you, and God sees you as the obedient son and daughter in matters pertaining to salvation. In matters pertaining to salvation. That has to do with the eternal positioning of your soul. And your relationship to God. So Jesus imputes to us his righteousness. And brings us into a right standing with God. Jesus brings us into a position where we can hear God ourselves again. So, so the acceptance of Christ gives us the ability to stand before the presence of God, to hear what he has always been wanting to tell us concerning our destiny. Save through salvation. Destiny is, is vain. Except you accept, except you accept Christ as your Lord and Savior, the purposes of, of God for your lives are unveiled. They are halted. Remember, it was only after the lion of the tribe of Judah, the lamb, overcame that the scrolls were open. So the scrolls of our lives will remain closed until we accept Jesus.
So when we come into Christ, we are offered the opportunity to hear from God with regards to his plans, his purposes for our lives. So you are in Christ and every child of God has been given the right, the power to know what God has in mind for them. But it all begins somewhere when you choose life. When you choose life. We have chosen life by following Christ. But there is the way of life. There is the path of life. You shall show me the path of life. For in thy presence there is fullness of joy. You shall show me the path of life. There is a path of life that every one of you must walk after you have come into Christ. You understand that, right? So let's move away from this. So, what happens in life? You see, now you have to set up because you came late. Don't set up, set up, set up. Is because the choices that we make will either produce curse or blessing, good or evil, life. So every choice you've ever made, Chris, is confluenced on the equilibrium of God. Life or death. So when God weighs your life, are the choices on the right side of the scale? Are they on the side of life or are they on the side of death? Remember Belshazzar? Mene, mene, tekel, ufasarim. Your kingdom has been weighed and you have been found wanting. Then he says, Your kingdom shall be taken from you and given to another. Why? Because the choices he made. The choices he made, he turned. And you see, every single one starts off in life on an equilibrium. You are neither dead nor alive. I was alive until the Lord revived sin in me. And then I died. So every one of us is on the equilibrium. starts life at an equilibrium. And then the choices we made begin to tilt the scales begin to tilt the scales you come to a point in life when the scales of justice are recorded counted and judgment is given so how does blessing come 
How does curse come? How does good come to you? How does evil come to you? He says, it's a choice. You choose it. How did Adam choose death? He disobeyed God. The law of life, brothers and sisters, that is the law of life. The law of life is choice. Is the power of a human being to choose either to follow God or follow himself. And here's, here's where I find the problem is. There is not a person here who does not want to be successful. Agree? Everybody wants to be successful. But if I ask you now, what is to be successful? What is to be successful? What metric? Because, because your metric for success is different from the next person. So success means different things to different people. Some people feel they are successful if they have a car. Some people feel they are successful if they get married. Some people feel they are successful if they have a degree. Some people feel they are successful if 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 they have all their material desires met. Some people feel they are successful if they live in a big house. So success has different metrics. Alright? And all our metric or the, the measurement of success is actually wrong. Because success with men is not success with God. For instance, for instance, for instance, I am the most successful person I know. You may look around in my life and think to yourself, huh? it can't be because he does not have as much as so and so has. For ministers, they f most ministers feel uh, Mr. Bali, that they have succeeded in ministry if they have a large congregation or if they have a beautiful church building. So, so the, the, the metric for success for most people, if not all, is always based on outside expressions. It's always external. Always external factors are what define what success is. So if you are driving a, a motorbike and he is driving a Jeep, he is more successful than you. Right? Or if you live in a three-room uh, uh, house and he lives in a three-bedroom house, who is successful? He is successful. If you have five degrees and she only has a higher certificate, who is successful? You are successful. Or if you are the CEO of a company and you only work as a salesman in another company, who is successful? The CEO. There is a fault in that metric. The fault is that the, 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 the measurement or the definement of success 
has no eternal basis. So any definition of success that does not carry with it an internal perspective cannot stand on the scales of God. To God, the man, Mr. Bali, with the biggest church, may be the least successful. You know why? Because God measures success differently. Every one of us here wants to succeed, right? In life, you want to be successful, right? You look at the celebrities, the famous people, the people, you, 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 you look at them. And they seem to carry something. The problem with humanity is that we have allowed for the symbols of success to define what success is. The Bible says the things that are a praise among men are an abomination to God. You can tell that God does not like something by the amount of people that love it. Because human nature always goes against God. You see, God is going north. Human nature is going south. So everywhere, everything that man loves, God hates. Hmm. So, success. True success must carry with it an eternal perspective. That means God, Mr. Bali, is the only authority that can define your success. And if a man will choose to live his life like that, that man or woman will be the most fulfilled human being on earth because then external factors would not motivate or would not move his sense of success. You will not be pressured to perform, pressured to move, pressured to act because the definition, the metric of your success is different from all others. Every single body, every single human being inherently has been designed by the fall with the inherent lust for success. Everyone wants to make it. That's why when your life does not seem to reflect the standards of your friends, the standards of your colleagues, the standard of your other relatives, you start being depressed, you start being jealous, you start being envy, you start being stressed. Why? Because you think that that standard is the standard of success. So you want to live your life, start doing things to, to, to measure up to that form of success. Let me ask. Who was the most successful person in the 
bumble before Jesus. It was John the Baptist. John the Baptist, brothers and sisters, exceeded Moses, exceeded Elijah, exceeded Elisha in greatness. Jesus said, out of every man born of a woman, there was none that was greater than John. Yet he did no miracle. He did not raise anybody from the dead. He did not pass the Red Sea. He did not cure lepers. But Jesus said that man was a, was not only the greatest man, but he was more than a prophet. But you are seeing John in the wilderness. Says a man clothed in sheepskin. The most successful, a man who had no structure, no building. A man who was preaching in the wilderness. Jesus said, that is the greatest man to ever live. Greater than Enoch. Greater than Abraham. Why? Because God defined his success. His duty was to be the voice that cries in the wilderness. Nothing else. As long as he did that, he was great in his destiny. He was great before the eyes of God. He was successful before the eyes of God. So what is success? Success is living up to what God has said to you. And living your life in pace with what God has said. Not what the world is saying. Not what the world has defined success to be. When others were applying to get degrees, were applying to push up their careers, God said to me, leave school. God said to me, leave your degree. If it is man who was hearing that, and if it was man who was judging that, he would think that's the stupidest decision you can ever make. But the decision made me successful. Not the consequences, the decision. The decision because I had responded to what God had said. Success is a response. It's a response to a command. A response to an instruction of life. Samson, thou shalt not cut his head, but he shall be a Nazarene unto the Lord all the days of his life. Hmm. As long as Samson did not cut his hair, he was a success. He was successful. He was successful. Why is it difficult for many children of God to, to succeed in life? It's because many of God's children are rebels. Many of us are rebels. Many of us are, 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 have been rebellious to destiny. The first rebel was Adam. Let me show you, let me give you a mystery. 
Let me give you a mystery. It would have been impossible for Satan to fall except God commanded him. There was a line that God said to the angels not to cross. The Bible talks about the multitude of iniquity. That means before Satan actually fell, there are other numerous iniquities that he did that God did not judge him based on. It's like Samson. He slept with women. God didn't judge him. He cut his hair. It was over. There was a night he went to sleep with a prostitute and he heard of some news. He went and he took the city gates. The Bible said the Spirit of God came on him just after he had finished with a hallowed. He went to the city gates, pulled up the city gates and he carried them away. Adam died because there was a commandment. So Satan had to fall because there was a commandment. Where there is no law, sin cannot be imputed. So the angels had to live by a set of law that they should not cross. Like, 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 like the law of the angels, that they should not cohabitate with man. When they cohabitated with man, God reserved those chains. The Bible says, the angels that left their estate, God reserved in judgment in chains. Why? They left their estate. We are not successful because we are rebels. Listen, a rebel is not somebody who hates God. A rebel is somebody who loves God. Somebody who worships him. Somebody who even serves him. I want to show you how God thinks. You see, the Lord does not think as we do. His thought patterns are on a much higher frequency than man's thought patterns. With God, it's either his way or no way. So you can't follow God and have your own plans. You can't follow God and have your own options. You can't follow God and decide your own ways. If you decide to follow God, you must keep the path. Because the path is straight. The path is straight. And you see, the deception is that there are things that you do that God honors because of your obedience. But those things carry over. And at one point in your life, you start going astray. But the manifestations of those things are still there. And they always become a reference point that, no, you have walked with God. Like many, many men of God in the world today, they have built big ministries, but God has left them. They have worldwide ministries, but God is not with them any longer. Only the discerning can perceive that the ark, the presence, the dove of God had departed from that place. 
So the deception is that they keep the structure because God will leave you with every single thing he gave you while you still served him except his spirit. God doesn't take wealth away. God doesn't take what he, what you have, what he has given you, the blessing. No, 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 no. The only thing God will not leave is his spirit. So the big ministry can stay. And because of the system that's been set in this, the ministry, the ministry begins, continues to flourish. But the spirit is not there. Why? God does not sponsor rebels. It's the law of life. It's the law of life. If you want to be successful in life, you must only do what God said you must do. What facilitates process I do not frustrate the grace of God in my life. In, in other words, I do not go against the things which are not great. I do not go into the things which are not graced for. Every one of you has a talent. Every one of you has a gift. Every one of you has special abilities that God has imparted from birth. Every single one of you has something that God has given. And the problem has been in the body of Christ that we have not learned how to capitalize on that grace by seeking the gift of Christ. There is something called the gift of Christ. That is the activator of all graces. The gift of Christ. The gift of Christ is what administers the flourishing of graces. And to each one of us is grace given according to the measure of the gift of Christ. The gift of Christ is what God's people has not yet understood. So that's why our abilities, our gifts, our talents lie domicile for years, for years. And we start doing things that we are not even called into because we think those are the things that we are made for. You ask any man of God today, you ask them, how do I follow? How do I follow my gift? How do I know what God has called me for? You know what they'll tell you? Look for your passion. Look, look in which area. That's nonsense. Gifts and callings are not in the area of passion. It's not what you are passionate about. I love graphic design. I love photography. I love cinematography. I'm passionate about it. Does that mean I'm called to do that? Does, not, does that mean I'm, that is the gift which God has imparted to me? No. There are, there are what we call hereditary gifts. That means gifts in the bloodline, talents in the bloodline. You find in one family, there's a streamline of doctors. That's how it works. But, but those are not what we call isolated gifts. Gifts that God had intended for you to grow into. So many people spend their whole life chasing after passion. <laughs> Why? Listen, no amount of passion can substitute the voice of God 
All destinies, all callings, all giftings, all talents are awakened, stimulated, invoked by the word, by the voice of Almighty God. Jeremiah was not passionate about prophesying. Ezekiel was not passionate about visions. But God told them to be prophets. It is the voice that determines not only success, but the area of call, the area of gifting. So what Satan has done throughout your entire lives is that he has caused you, he has, he has allowed you and deceived you and entertained your mind to seek after wrong things. I must get a job, I must get work, I must be successful, I must have money, I must have a wife, I must have a car. Whereas the most important thing for any human being to know, for any human being to learn, for every human being to develop is how to hear the success of Adam was the voice of God. His ability to hear God, not only hear him, but articulate clearly what he's saying, interpret clearly what he's saying, was what would help him facilitate his success. He fell because he did not hear God. He could not articulate. He heard him. That's why Jesus said, let he that has an ear. Hear what the Spirit says unto the churches. The, the, the design, the purpose, the hunger for the church is to hear what the Spirit is saying. Because in the Spirit is destiny. In the Spirit is calling. In the Spirit is, de is, is, is divine gifting. In the Spirit is success. In the Spirit is prosperity. So you spend your entire life doing what? Doing what the system has programmed you to do. And the more further you go deeper in the system, the lesser you hear God. Why? And Cain left the presence of God and built a city in the land of Nod. There was no voice of God in that land. It was the land of the educated. The Bible says he called that city Enoch. That means educated. That means one who has learned. There was, there was no voice. Up until then, men only lived by what God said. The, the genius of men, the intelligence of men, the wisdom of men came from what he heard from God. But Canaan learned some stuff that they did not need God for. Look at the system. They have built everything without needing to inquire from God. But your life doesn't work like that. That's why until you understand this thing, you can be a Christian, you can love God. You, you may remain in that state for... <laughs> I told you, God is not bothered by your lack. He's not bothered by your poverty. He's not bothered by your suffering. Suffering doesn't move God. There's only one thing that moves God. Two things that moves God. Obedience and disobedience. Brothers and sisters, you can't follow God and choose your way. You can't follow God and impose your way. Impose your thoughts. You can't follow God and insist on your own way. There will be a breach in your life. 
following God requires an utter abandonment of self, an entire abandonment of your own wisdom, own intelligence, own plans. Remember, Jesus said, He said, He said, be, He says, He says, consider that not many after the flesh, not many noble men are called. Why? Because nobility. The wisdom of this world has a tendency to drive men away from God. Have you seen how, how seeking God is ridiculed in the world? No, you can't seek God. You have to work. You have to go to school. You say, I'm seeking God. Provided you are truly seeking God. I'm, no, no, no. Why? Why? <laughs> Convictions are a necessity on the path of life. Convictions. What are you convinced about? Listen, it's not passion you need. It's the voice of God. If you want honor from God, if you want honor from God, you must learn this thing. Every great man in the Bible heard God. That's how, look at the, 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 the hallmark of faith. Study it. By faith, by faith, by faith, by faith, by faith. <laughs> what you can remove there is faith and put the voice of God. Because that's what faith is. Faith is a response to the voice, to the voice. Faith comes by hearing and hearing the voice of God. The voice of God. So their faith came only as a result because they heard God and responded to Him. You're pursuing business. You're pursuing a career. What is, what is the end of that business? What is the end of that career? No, I want you to grow. I want you to expand. Did God say it must expand? Did God say it must grow? <laughs> <laughs> Jesus said to me the day coming to the ministry, he said, For more than seven years in the vision, he said to me, Don't win a soul, don't go evangelize. That's what Jesus said. To me. He said, Teach and raise the ones that I bring to you. So that's why I'm not concerned about anybody that comes or anybody that goes. Yeah, but that's not how the church is supposed to function. You have to do follow up. You have to follow up. You have to win souls. You have to win the lost. You must win the lost. Jesus never said that to me. Jesus never told me to win the lost. Yeah. But before I came into ministry, I was winning the lost. It 
was probably my greatest motivation, winning the loss. To live by design, to live, is to follow the precepts, line upon line, precept upon precept. You can't, you see, you can't, you, oh, there is no room for mistakes in following destiny. Oh, there was a man called Saul in the Bible. Saul, the Bible says, was anointed king by God. God made him. Make, God said to Samuel, This one you shall make king for my people. The first king was made, not born. Wasn't born king. Was made a king by a prophet. <laughs> he was made. He was made a king by a prophet. One of his first major crusades, God said to him, "Here's what I want you to do. Tell Saul. God is talking to Samuel. Tell Saul." To go and raid Amalek and kill everyone. Kill mother, kill woman, kill children, kill sheep, kill all beasts. Kill. God said kill. God said kill. So I said, oh, I'll do what the Lord has said. Uh, like many of us. Huh? Milton? God says, I'm sending you to the nation of the world. Go conquer by my name. And you are there in your prayer. Who I receive? 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 But you didn't get details. <laughs> Why? You, you, you were so excited by what you heard. And God will leave you. You know, God will not say, hey, I didn't finish talking. Listen, God stops talking at the point where you stop listening. He could not continue. I mean, I mean, I mean, Samuel heard God. Samuel, he woke up. God didn't say, hey, where are you going to Eli? It's me. Uh-uh. He let him go. I mean, I'm, I'm, I'm sure... I'm sure God was wondering. God was there, right there. The angel of the Lord was right there. Somewhere. He wakes up, goes out of the room. The Lord is waiting. What do you think he was thinking at this point? He comes back again and sleeps. He says, Somewhere. God doesn't stop him, Mr. God doesn't say, hey, boy, 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 boy. It's me, it's me, it's not Eli. It's me, it's me, it's me. A man has to tell him, no, that's the Lord talking. Why? Because he only speaks as far as we are willing to hear. Prophecy don't end. The Bible says prophecy is subject to the spirits of the prophet. When I prophesy, there are things I see beyond what I say that I may not say. That's why the Bible says we prophesy in part. Part on the human side. On God's side, the word of God is continuous. So, in matters of destiny, concerning your destiny, God will always stop talking 
at the point where you stop listening. We don't know when Jesus is coming back. You, you, you know that? We don't know Jesus. Is, we don't know because we don't listen. When the angel met Daniel, he gave him the exact dates as to when Jesus will be born, Jesus will die, and the exact dates were given. Revelations is the same thing. Exact dates were given. Why? Because we don't listen. When God met Noah, God gave him the specifications. Because when God began to speak, Noah needed to keep quiet. That's the problem. We have never learned how to be quiet before the Lord. We have never learned what it is to be sad. We always want to be babbering. It is silence that invokes the presence of God. The Bible says that when Elijah went into the mountain of the Lord, all he did was keep quiet. What makes a man great is not the display of power. What makes a man great is not what he is able to do. What makes a man, you see, you track our greatness to our ability to hear from God. When you see us healing the sick with ease, when you see us preaching like this, you should what you should be looking at is not whether or not this man prays. No, is whether I want to know. How has he been able to hear God? Because to hear God is to succeed. Is to hear God is success. To hear God is life. Hallelujah. Oh, no shedding. All right, let's continue. Praise the Lord. So, so here's Saul. Here's Saul. God says to him, destroy Amalek. Kill Amalek. Kill him. That's what God says. Focus. Because I don't know what you're watching there. What you're watching there? Yeah? Kill Amalek. Destroy Amalek. He says, yes, sir. This is Saul, the king. Newly anointed king. He is sent to destroy Amalek. He goes to Amalek with his army. Surely enough, they kill Amalek. They kill the children. They kill the women. And it comes to the spoils. <coughs> they wonder, should, should we, should, should we, should we kill the king? Should we spare the sheep? Should we at least Spare some for us that we may offer to the Lord. Now, now, theories are building up. Now, all of a sudden, the, the temptation of wealth, the temptation of, of the pride of victory starts standing up. No, 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 no. Let's keep the king. We'll kill him publicly before the people. God said, kill him in a, kill, go kill them. He didn't say bring the king back. And kill him in Israel. No. He didn't say bring the sheep back. So they come back from their raid with all the sheep. And the king. As they come back. As they come back. Saul doesn't know it. But God is what someone. 
This is what has happened to many, 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 many of God's people. This is what's happened to many, many of God's people, both ministers and Christians. You don't know what God says about you. There are people that God tells and speaks to about you. And you may never know until God introduces you to those people. God says, I regret making Saul king. Those are strong words from a God. He says, I regret. I regret. Now, only two times, brother, has God ever regretted doing something. It was in Genesis. And it was in making Saul king. God says, I regret making him king. I mean, now you come back and you, you watch the scene again. From a natural standpoint, Saul has done what God said. Saul has truly attacked Amalek and destroyed Amalek. Saul has done it. From a human standpoint, Saul has done it. But now God says, I regret. God has no business dealing with a man who has made himself a God. When you become your own authority, the day you the day you feel you feel like you are an authority, God is done with you. That's why God measures greatness by le the level of humility. Amen. So he comes back. He said, "I've I've rejected." For he has, this is what God said, for he has turned away from following me. You see, it doesn't take much to turn away from God. It doesn't, it doesn't take much to depart. Ephesians chapter 2, he says, you, 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 you have left your first love. Then he says, repent. And what? Turn. Turn from where you have fallen out. Jesus said that church had fallen. But that church was persevering. That church was holding up the name of Jesus. That church was resisting false prophets. That church was bearing the name of Jesus. Jesus said, you have fallen. It doesn't take much to fall. It doesn't take much to turn away from the Lord. He says he has turned away. God is saying this. You see, he's not a prophet. God is telling a prophet this thing. He has turned away from following me. Now we must ask ourselves, what is this thing that is so grave that Saul did to incur such statements from God? That God would say that he has turned away from following me. What have you done, Saul? Then God says, I'm removing his kingdom from him. God is the only one who can remove himself or remove you from the thing he has set you in and keep you. Saul was removed as king but he still remained king. But according to God he was removed. 
See, this is what people don't understand. You can be an apostle and God is done with you. You can be a prophet and God is done. And listen, you will prophesy. Listen, you will heal the sick. Oh, but one day you will meet him. He'll tell you, I do not know you. You worker of righteousness. False prophets are not necessarily people who serve the devil. False prophets are those who have deviated from the way of truth. Are those who have forsaken the will of God. He says, only those who do the will of my father will enter the kingdom of heaven. Now you must be careful when you, you, you analyze what Jesus is saying. He is telling you exactly what represents functioning in the kingdom of God. He's telling you your relevance in the kingdom is equated to the will of God you are performing. So you cannot enter the kingdom of heaven unless you have done the will of God. Ha, ha. Is it not the will of God to heal the sick? Is it not the will of God to prophesy? Yes, it may be the will of God in generality, but it may not have been the will of God for them. So Paul, Saul turned away from the Lord because he failed. He failed to fulfill the will of God. So God cut him off because every action that comes from a commandment of God, either for the commandment or against the commandment, has other repercussions that you do not see. One of the reasons why God did not allow Moses to enter into the promised land was because the rock that was struck was Christ. And you only struck Christ once. The second time you speak into him. So he struck it once. He struck it twice. And he was messing up something. Second Corinthians chapter 10. And that rock is Christ from which we drink from. So Christ is only struck once. So his, his, his anger allowed him to move out of the will of God. Because everything God does is done from an eternal perspective. The economy of destiny is eternal. So every action you make, oh Lord, you may not know it, but it has eternal repercussions. From one man death came. From one man's opinions life came. That means God works from what? From reference point of man. He works from the singularity and judges the mess from a singularity. So you think it's not important to follow God. But what you don't realize is that you choosing not to follow him the way, the way he wants to be followed may lead you to hell. Because there are others that are connected in destiny. He took away the kingdom. How many things has God taken away from you? Because of things he said. Do and you did not do. Or things he said do not do and you did in a way that you thought it must be done. See, this, this, this kind of Christianity is not taught. Because the kind of Christianity that exists today is an advantageous Christianity. is the Christianity of benefits. 
the Christianity of, of, of advantages. Samuel cries the whole night. He cries before God. God says, hey, hey, I've rejected him. I've re- stopped crying for Saul. I've rejected him. I've re- stopped crying for Saul. I've rejected him. In the morning, he goes out to meet Saul. Saul is coming with a parade. They have won. And he meets Samuel. He says, oh, my Lord. I have done what the Lord has said. And someone says, if you have done what the Lord has said, what is the bleating of the sheep that I hear? Then I want you to, I want us to read what was said next. First Samuel. Chapter number 11, I think, or 13. Sacrifices are lawfully. We'll touch on that tomorrow. Let's look at chapter 15. From verse 10. Now the word of the Lord came to Samuel saying, I greatly regret. <laughs> that I have set up Saul as king. Young or old, please look at me. You are not irreplaceable in the purposes of God. Let me ask you a question. Would God still have started over in Genesis chapter 6 had he not found anybody? Had he not found Noah? Would he have started over? Yeah? Would he have started over? Do you think God would have started, would have killed, would have wiped out the whole world had he not found anybody? He would have. He would have. So, Noah is not a precursor to the will of God. So, the will of God was to destroy the whole world. So, Noah only found grace because he aligned himself with what? The demands or requirements of justice. Agreed? 
So God's will is God. God's will continues irrespective. There is no vacuum in the spirit. There is no vacuum in life. Every human being was created for a position to be filled. Every human being. Every human being. There is no vacancy with God. So the will of God remains the remains constant even though the subject chosen to function in that will is not adhering. Do you understand? If God wants if God if God wants a king in Israel, right? If he wants a king in Israel who, let me use Mary. Was Mary chosen because she was a virgin? <laughs> she, was she chosen because she was a virgin? Oh, she was, so she was not chosen because she was a virgin. What is the reason that Mary was chosen there? She was favored. She was favored. Wow. Did she do anything to be favored? Was there something extra Mary did that caused the favor of God to come on her? No. So, could it have been possible for Jesus to come through another virgin? What do you think? Could it have been possible? So the requirement was virginity. <laughs> so the requirement was what? Bloodline. So the requirement was bloodline. So had Mary been raped or had intercourse, would Jesus still have come through her? So even though, even though the, the will was that to, Jesus would come through the bloodline of David, even though it was so, right? Mary would not necessarily have been chosen, right? There, there were still requirements that she still had to meet. One of them was what? Virginity. So the bloodline law, the bloodline, the will of God was that Jesus would be the seed of David, correct? And Mary was from that lineage. But had she not been a virgin, God would have chosen another. God would have waited several generations again. Correct? Why? Because in the will of God, the subject must meet the requirements. And you see, the problem is that we have approached God with an African mentality. Or we have approached God with a community or societal mentality. God doesn't deal with you, Chris, according to the fact that you live in Nelmafias. So he doesn't deal with you according to the thought patterns of Nelmafias people. So we have community churches who preach a God that is societal. So if you go to the white churches, right, Mel? God is presented the white way. Right? 
If you go to the rich churches, God is presented the rich way. If you go to the poor churches, God is presented the poor way. So the ways of God are miscontrolled. Because you start delivering a God that is what? That, that only exists within your context. Within your societal or community context. So many live lives that are contrast to their destiny. And they will only find it and when they go to heaven. Because when they go to heaven, they will realize God is bigger than white. God is bigger than black. God is bigger than the mafias. God is bigger than South Africa. God is bigger than Africa. So God left us with help. He left us with no reason for us to miss a step. He gave us a Bible. He gave us a Bible. Why? So that we can understand God outside our what? Our zones. <coughs> you know how white people pray? They pray with coffee. Drinking coffee. Oh, Jesus, we love you. Huh? Bless the Lord. <laughs> you see them, Bethel Church and them. No tongues there. You go to the, to the, to the whites, to, to, the, to the blacks, to the Africans in worship. Come on, let's worship the Lord. Run the worship. <laughs> Why? They worship God with, within the European context, African context, American context. Most, all American co- uh, churches. Right? It is the context through which God is delivered. That's the problem. So God is not contextual. So we think, Milton, that God will understand that no, you come from an African background. So God will deal with you in an you know African way. So we have the God of Africans, the God of Europeans, the God of whites, the God of Africaners, the God of Boers, the God of Americans. No, I'm sharing this with you because that's how you perceive God. Subconsciously, that's how you're dealing with God. So you think that certain things you are not privy to because you are not in that context. So God, you know, you know people, you know there are people who think God will, God cannot bring judgment on a nation. You know there are people who think that. You prophesy, say, I see a tsunami, they'll say, oh, God will never do such a thing. God is love. God is... <laughs> God, God, can, God can't do that. God is love. You are sold. You, you are thinking for God. And since God said this, maybe I can do this. Maybe I can do this. Maybe I can add something to this. That's why when we hear God, we hear God in an African way. With the African ideology. 
those gods I, I, I greatly reject, regret from making this man king. For he has turned back from following me. Listen to this. And has not performed my commandments. You see how, you see God takes, you see, commandments are not suggestions too. But Zolan Babangata think commandments are suggestions. That means they are instituted in such a way that, no, you can decide. If I don't do it, listen, commandments are not like suggestions. Suggestions have, have no ramifications. Commandments do. Says, for, for he has not performed my commandments. How many commandments have you breached because you couldn't hear God? See, now we are, we are not dealing with the fact that God has spoken and you did not obey. We are dealing with the fact that God has spoken, but you did not hear. And you can't hear. He says, go to the... The Zarovishian woman. For I have commanded her to feed you. The man gets there. He says, make me something. The woman says, hey, all I have is me and my kid. God commanded. She didn't hear. That means she didn't hear. And you see, God has... God, God didn't come back again and say, yeah, I'm sure God spoke in a, in a dream. Or God spoke in whatever way God spoke. The main fact is that God spoke. God said to her, Feed my prophet. The prophet gets there. The woman is, is not intending to feed her. You can see that the woman was not intending to feed her. The woman was planning for her death and her child's death. <laughs> Elijah gets there. Oh, all right. I'm hungry. Like, sorry, sorry, my Lord. I only have little for me and my son that we may eat and die. There, there was no allocation made for the prophet. The prophet said, no, nevertheless, feed me first. She could have said no. Right? She could have said, uh, she could have, no, 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 I don't know you. It's the first time I see you. We're in the middle of famine, and now you want to tell me to feed you first. I'm about to die here. So see to yourself. Me, I'm going to feed my child and myself, and we are dying. But she did it. That means she heeded the command. And because she heeded, the blessing could flow into her life. There was ramifications. So some of you, God has commanded, but you have not heard, or you can't hear. This conference is about opening your ears to God. Because I realize many people, you see, we see by the level of rebellion that exists in the church that people don't hear God. You are either a failure or a success. You're not a success because you have symbols of success you are success 
whether or not you have those things. If you are following what God has said. Saul was a failure, even though he killed 99% of Amalek. Let's read. And he grieved Simon and he cried to the Lord all night. Simon You know, after God has spoken like this, how? Cried all night. Imagine, cried all night. So when Samuel rose early in the morning, it was told Samuel saying, Saul went to Carmel and indeed he set up a monument for himself. Look at Saul. And he has gone around and passed by. See the parade? Down to Gilgal. <laughs> then Samuel went to Saul and said to him, Blessed are you of the Lord. Imagine. Saul, Saul is saying to Samuel, Blessed are you of the Lord, man of God. I have performed <laughs> I have performed the commandment of the Lord. You notice something here. Something was inherently wrong with Saul. Something was inherently wrong with Saul. It's a spiritual disease. The man says, I have performed. Look at it. Now, there's, there's a contrast between what God has said and just the night before, God says, he has not performed all I have commanded. This guy comes and says, I have performed all that the Lord has said. That's the, that's the reason why you need a man of God in your life. I'm not saying a father. I said a man of God. I did not say a mother. Alright? I'm talking about a ministry gift. Fathers or mothers don't give or add nothing to you. That's why you need the man of God or the woman of God is the gift of Christ. You see, he's the one that God sends into your life. All right, to, to, to scan, to filter what you think is from God and what is from God. Without this filter, without this filter, what we have is a bunch of anarchists. Have you ever been in church or in a service? The pastor doesn't know you, have never seen you. And then all of a sudden you feel like whatever he's saying is talking to you. Or is ministering about your life or about your, your, your season or your situation at that point. Obviously it can't be him. It can't be the man. He doesn't know you. And it can't be coincidental. It could only be by the Spirit. Huh. 
sell at 30 minutes so I can do a deep dive. All right? <clears throat> Saul would have never known that what he had done was rebellion against God, except God has spoken to another man. Notice, God didn't speak to Saul about directly to Saul about what Saul did or did not do. He spoke to someone. God could have visited Saul in the night and said, hey, we like it and fun. We like it. Uh-uh. He speaks to someone. Why does God do that, Chris? The Lord does nothing except he reveals it to his servants, the prophets. His servants, the prophets. He does nothing except he reveals it to his servants, the prophets. Why? Why? Oh. The Bible says that John came to bear witness. So John was a witness to the burning and shining the light of God, Jesus. So God gave Jesus a witness. Right? So God always works for witnesses. Ye shall be witnesses unto... You, you know Jesus has no relevance on earth without us. Because we provide the witness of his reality. The witness of his resurrection. We provide it by his spirit. So man provides what? Witness. Of God. So God does it through his servant. As a what? As a record of witness against Saul. Because had not God told Samuel, Saul would be able to go into judgment and win the case. Because there's no witness to stand for God. There's no witness who's, who, who would say, no, but God has spoken. That's why it's very important to know and understand who speaks into your life. Who speaks into your life. Because that person is either a witness for or against your destiny. So if God had not said, I've rejected Saul, Saul would have come and met someone and said, I have done all the Lord has commanded, and someone would have agreed. And the Lord would have no cause to judge him. So God must have witness. He must have witness. So the gift of Christ serves as a witness for grace of God in your life. Imagine, yeah? you you meet now, 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 and this is the disease in Christianity. God gives the command, right? When God gives the command, you go and you say, oh, I've done it. You come back. You say, I've done what God has done. I mean, what God has said. Then the man of God says, you are fooling yourself. the the scene 
that hinders us from progressing in life. We there? Amen. Then, and Saul said to him, verse 13, Blessed are you of the Lord. I have performed the commandment of the Lord. But Samuel said, What then is the bleating of the sheep in my ears and the lowing of the oxen? Which I hear. And Saul said, Listen, they have brought them from the Amalekites. For the people spread the best of the sheep, spared the best of the sheep and the oxen to sacrifice to the Lord your God. And the rest we have utterly destroyed. Then Samuel said to Saul, Be quiet! I will tell you what the Lord said to me last night. And he said, Speak on. Look at this guy. Speak on. So Samuel said, When you were little in your own eyes, when you were not the head of the tribes of Israel, and did not the Lord anoint you king over Israel? Can you see? Are you seeing something here? Let me help you. When God gives you a pastor, whatever, prophet, evangelist, all that, the purpose for that is not to replace God's voice, but it's to strengthen God's voice in your life. Saul was strengthened by the voice of God that came through someone. It did not replace it. It only strengthened it. So prophets exist to strengthen God's voice in your life. And not only that, but to help you discern Saul had forgotten it. Now, he's arguing with the same person who made him king. The same person who made him king is arguing with him. He says, <laughs> Yesterday, when he left, when he left the camp, he heard clearly what was said. Kill everyone, don't spare. Kill everything. Now he comes back, he says, I've performed all. Now he has decided what is fulfilling the commandment of the Lord. And now, someone has to go even to the point of bringing up his authority. So he says, I'll tell you what the Lord says. Now, you, you, will see, you will see Saul's behavior. It's strange. You will see Saul's behavior. It's strange. It's strange. Now, the Lord, verse 18, Now, the Lord sent you on a mission and said, Go utterly destroy the sinners, the Amalekites, and fight against them until they are consumed. Why did you not obey the voice of the Lord? Why did you swoop down on the spoil and do evil in the sight of the Lord? And Saul said to Samuel, now let me ask you a question. 
What would excuse you from falling into the same category and God not pronounce the same judgment on you as he did on Saul? The grace of Jesus does not excuse you from God's command. Moreover, what the grace should do is that it should, it should help you, aid you in their fulfillment. He says, you shall not move, you are in bondage to sin because you are not under the law, but under grace. So grace gives you the power to withstand. Listen to Saul's response. <laughs> And Saul said to someone, but I have obeyed the voice of the Lord. Now, 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 now. He thinks he has heard God more clearly than someone. But I have obeyed. But, 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 but I have obeyed. I have obeyed. But I have obeyed. You I have obeyed. They said, go buy blue water. You buy green water. And then your argument is that, but I brought the water. <laughs> do, 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 do you see that something is wrong spiritually? No, I have brought, I have brought the water. I have obeyed. No, you have not obeyed. Uh-uh, I have obeyed. I have brought the water. It, what water was it said you should bring? Blue no, but it's water. Water is water. Water is water. Imagine that arid determines its own his entire destiny because he did not follow through. You see how authority works disturbed by the return of God. The authority that flows through a man, Jesus said, must come from above. He, Jesus said, this he says that the baptism of John was it from men or from heaven? That's what no. Jesus said that he asked them. Said no, 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 no. Uh, if 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 you will tell me by what authority did John baptize, I will tell you by what authority I did this thing. He said the baptism of John was it from here or was it from heaven? Was it from man or heaven? They didn't want to answer, but they knew where it was from. He said it was from heaven. Authority that comes from above is much more ruthless than any form of authority.
God, how did God help Solomon ascend? My son, listen to my word. David was telling his son. David was telling, even though Samuel was destined to be prophet, he still had to be trained by Eli. Eli. Eli needed to train him to hear God's voice. Even though Eli had went away and went astray from the home, from the ways of God, he and his son. something that exists within every single one of us. It's called the pride of life. Did you hear what Saul said? But I've obeyed. of the Lord and God on the mission which the Lord sent me and brought back Agag the king of Amalek and utterly destroyed the Amalekites but the people took of the plundered sheep and the best things which should have been utterly destroyed did you hear that? so he knew which should have been he knew but he still kept it anyway and then he shifts blame on the people to sacrifice to the Lord and God gave that so Samuel said to God as the Lord has great delight in burnt sacrifices and offerings as in obeying the voice of the Lord. Behold, to obey is better than sacrifice. Do you understand what it means, Moses? You can spend all your days, my boy, all your days in prayer, in fasting. Spend all your days in meditation. Spend all your days singing songs, worshiping, singing in the spirit. Spend all your days loving God. Except... That sacrifice is anchored by obedience to God. It carries no weight. It has no value. That's why it says do all things without mama. Why? Because, because, brothers and sisters, because, because, you see, God, God decides whether obedience is fulfilled or not fulfilled based on the heart. If you are willing and obedient. Let's read this and then let's, let's, let's fly this last 15 minutes. And to heed then the fat of rams. For rebellion is as the sin of witchcraft. And stubbornness is as iniquity and idolatry. So you see how rebellion starts? Because you have rejected the word of the Lord. He has also rejected you from being king. Notice, your obedience to the, to the word of God determines your position. Because you have rejected the word of God, you have rejected it from being king. You must be careful what you reject from the house of God. Because you might be rejecting your own destiny. Do you see the mystery? How many degrees did Jesus have? How many businesses did he have? 
How many properties did he own? How many cars did he drive? How many donkeys did he have? He even had to borrow donkeys. How many? Was he successful? No one, no one measures to Jesus in success. You know what he said? I must do the will of him who sent me. He knew his, his destiny. He heard from above what the Father said. He must know who to speak to, who to hear, who to bless, who to curse, where to go, where not to go. Don't do that. You're only distracting yourself. You're not the only one that feels it. Righteousness and justice. Justice, judgment are the foundations of his throne. So the authority of God can only be displayed in an environment where righteousness and justice is observed, even in your own life. Where there is no righteousness, where there is no sound or righteous judgment, you can't have authority. That's why you can you can you can scream binding the demons, nothing happens. His righteousness, he says that all righteousness may be what fulfilled. His righteousness fulfilled, his justice fulfilled. All those are in the areas. What determines all those? Did I do what God said I must do? It's, it, it, it starts in small things. This month, don't want you to do anything. Just pray. Now, the Spirit just, just said, just pray for this month. Now, you don't ask how many hours. Are you just shooting it? You shoot it, you start, you start, because, because you, you're still energized by the word. Yeah? The Spirit just pray, said, pray this month. Pray this month. You are praying the first day, four hours. By the time you reach the 20th day, you know how many, how many hours you're praying? You're praying 20 minutes. Why? Because you are confused. The Spirit said pray. And you know what, what you start doing? You start consoling yourself. I'm praying. I'm doing what he said. But you have failed because you have not understood. When he said pray, did he say pray five hours or five minutes? You are shooting blanks and you think you are producing results in the spirit. You think you are feathering the cause of your destiny, but you're not doing anything. Because after the king has spoken, inquisition is paramount. 
So you say, you, you say I must pray. So when must I pray? How must I pray? How should I pray? He said pray. You didn't initiate it. He said it. So if he said it, he must give you the entire platform. That's why many people go on fasting 40 days. Nothing changes in their lives. Father, minister, praying, 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 praying. Ah, pray. Pray before, before a conference. Pray. Pray. Comes, I have been praying for months for this conference. Now, religion will say, hey, I'm Fundis. Fundis, I'm Timon. Fundis, Fundis, Fundis. Now, don't mistake. Don't mistake. I pray. I have my own personal prayer. I pray. I have my own walk with I pray. But the Lord said so. So what must I do then? First, we have become rebellious our own religion, our own way of serving God. Every one of you, you have your own way of serving God. Again, you have that, that own way where you will never, you won't allow whether you will not allow this, you don't interfere here. This is me and God. What are it? Because Since you know God so much, or since you have a special agreement with God, show us the way. Because now you have become the way. No, this man I get tired of the call of the day. She's something about the school fees, something about the lesson, and I call of the old says, you're not aware. That's why, that's why, that's why the forces of life resist you. The forces of God resist you. Because you're not a man under authority. You're a man in rebellion. Angels observe authority. If you are not under authority, no angel will ever work for you. Listen, they'll, they'll watch the devil whip you like this. They'll watch and not do nothing. Why? Because we have cre created our own religion, our own way of serving God. The most dangerous way to live is this way. Because, they, you see, there is not a point in time, yeah, mom, there's not a point in time where you don't need help from God. Mr. Isaac. And that's why you pray and no answer comes. Why? The lack of obedience. So your sacrifices 
Does the Lord have delight in secrets more than he does in obedience? So, so because of disobedience in your life, the, the smoke, the incense of your sacrifice, whether it be prayer, worship, meditation, whatever, the, the incense of it is corrupted. The stench, can't, God can't smell such a stench because you'll see, you'll spill, smell the prayer, smell the incense, but then there's another stench there. So ask yourself, are you serving God your own way or his way? Your life, how is it designed? Is it is it set? Is it is it the preset of your parents, society? Or is it God? Or even your own church? Because churches also have their own preconceived ideas about God. In other churches, it's all right to drink, just as you don't, just as long as you don't fall asleep. In some others, it's okay. You find these two people are dating. You find in church, you know, personally so, <laughs> boyfriend and girlfriend, <laughs> and it's okay. They don't marry, they're like, Hallelujah, Pastor. <laughs> Hallelujah. <laughs> Hallelujah. Or <laughs> <laughs> oh, the pastor's preaching, or the table. So, so there are things the Spirit of God tolerates, and there are things which are an offense to Him. He says, "Do not be deceived." God, He told, He told. The, the reason why that scripture is there is for people like. <laughs> God cannot be. You know I did that by the Spirit. You know I did that by the Spirit. Because what I actually wanted to do is do this. He that sows to the Spirit shall of the Spirit be 
That's how you live. You live by obeying. If there is nothing you obey, you are not living according to God. What are you obeying? Because the actions of life are predetermined by the set laws, the set commandments, the set precepts and statutes given unto you to navigate your course to your destiny. If you are not living in obedience to something, you are not living, you are not successful, you are a failure, no matter what you are doing. No, I'm doing law. Who are you obeying? No, it's just something I love. You're doing law because you love it. No, I'm passionate. It's not from obedience, so you're not living. Living is obeying. Mm. Proverbs chapter 4, he says, for they, are, for they are your life. Just hold fast to the instructions. For they are your life. Listen to me. There are things, brothers and sisters, that do not matter beyond this world. And, and if you are wise, you will begin seeking, doing, and living in the things that matter beyond this world. Because eternity is far longer than time. Tomorrow I'll teach you how to hear God's voice. 
Listen, nothing else matters, Chris. Nothing else matters. How go the bona una fatur mara to gila me? No, 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 don't you step back and ask yourself, is this is 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 this the way you're supposed to be? Is this supposed is, is this the way? Is this all there is to life? You're a robot. You know what's a robot, right? A robot is a machine that has that has programmed commands into it. So it can't do anything more than that. It, 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 it can't now it can't now surprise itself. You already know what you will be doing at a certain time. And I can assure you, you are bored to hell in that life. You may not say it verbally, but inside you are unhappy. It depresses you. You can't even catch a movie. You don't even know what a movie is. You can't even calm your mind down. You can't even go for a jog or go you can't it's impossible it's not it, it's not in your system you 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 know when you enter the mall your feet go this way they can't go this way. <laughs> <laughs> uh, To life is there. Listen, if you have done, check, if you have done what God has said, you go go chill by the beach for, for the whole year, as long as you've done what God said. And and be sure that whatever you need will find its way to you. <laughs> Did you know what I said? If, if you are doing what God is saying to you, to your life, you can do it and, and go sleep because you don't need to do anything extra after you've done what God is spoken. Anything you don't need to now go. Imagine now, 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 now Moses must lead the people of Israel and he must also take care of the sheep. He's spreading himself too thin. And here's the thing about God. 
God does not like those who serve him, spreading themselves too thin. That's why God will never be bothered if you... If, if God requires you, Mr. Bani, to pray, if, if it is in God's command, God's will for your life, then you pray three hours every single day without faith at a specific given time. God does not mind you sleeping the entire other 20 hours. He said, pray three hours. If you pray, you can sleep. God won't mind it. You go chill by the feet, God won't mind it. Because he has to see to it. Because you have obeyed that he fulfills his end of the bargain. When we are dealing with God, we are not dealing with men, we are dealing with his spirit. And spirit thinks in a different way. So what moves God into action, what determines what God will do in your life to is not his love for you. It's what he has said that you have obeyed. So we can cross our legs and sit like Buddha and expect all things to happen. No, that's, that's the design of life. In the garden, Adam could have played Maposana, uh, 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 the tree of life. God would not have mind. <laughs> he could have made fruit salad, bribe them. He could have done whatever. <laughs> God would not have mind. Because God. God did not command him against that. Do you understand what I'm saying to you? So Adam was, was living from rest. That's what living from rest is. And that's why the Bible says we must labor to enter that land. The labor is obedience. So you're struggling to sending a CV there, sending a CV there. Your, your cop rocks here. Because whatever comes comes. You see, this is a different way of living. I told you it's unconventional. It's a different way of living. It's, it's not a systemized way, Babylonic way of living. No, it's 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 a God way of living. You better come back having heard from God when you tell yourself you go to the mountains. Mm -hmm. uh, 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 uh. Living is obeying. Living is obeying. Living is no, we love each other. That's not the law. It's not. Polar, if you burn Mary, if you burn Mary, as I'm if you are rich, if you burn Mary, that's a reason for marriage. Burning. Mary, as I'm if you broke. <laughs> God never if you <laughs> God never said wait until you're rich to get married. 
says, ask, <coughs> ask for the whole world <coughs> where the good way is. He says, then thou shalt have rest and peace for your souls. what success is. Otherwise, you're just fooling yourself. You're like the world. Just pampering yourself in disease. The Bible says Moses chose God who suffers affliction with the people of God that to enjoy the passing pleasures of suffering. Suffer for the weak. What would you do? God says to you, leave your job. God says, no, leave your job. I want you to serve me in the room. What? What would you? What? Leave your job. Come serve me in the house. Leave. God said it. See, that's why many of us are unable to access the provision that Abraham could receive from God because we are willing to obey at that level of intensity. God says to Abraham, leave your family, your brother, leave, just, just, just leave. Go to the land I will show you. He didn't show him. He said, I will show you. We are too attached to this world. The day you die and get to heaven, you will be shocked. You will be shocked. Because God will, you know, you will occupy the walls. You know, the backyard of heaven will occupy there. You'll be sure. Mansions in heaven. You see, what are mansions? Mansions are not just houses. I listen to me. They're not just houses. They represent something. They represent the work of obedience you've done to the Lord. The mansion, you, every, 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 when you come into Christ, Milton, when you come into Christ, you have that mansion. You know what happens to that mansion over time? It either grows big or shrinks. On the basis of how you obey and live your life, you're Don't leave with an earthly scope. Enlarge your scope. Enlarge your perspective. There is eternity to live. To what is 40 years, 50 years. Look at Moses. Moses suffered. If you think anything, Moses suffered. Imagine for 40 years, Moses is living with his father-in-law. 40 years, he's not being in the same. God is to live. 
You're not living as if you are living by that principle. You are not. You are just. You're. You're just uh, having a religion and a religious experience. You're not living. Go. Go read. Go read Hebrews eleven. You are not living. Those are people who live. You. 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 I don't know what you're doing. Don't live with an earthly scope. Draw then your scope. Pattern your life according to this. Oh, there is nothing in this life 